Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I'm Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. That's right. And today we're going to talk about preppers, or you can have my can of beans when you pry it from my cold, <laughs> dead hands. Okay, there we go. That sort of sums it all up hey, beans in can my hurt mind. you pretty bad if you just throw it at somebody and hit them in the right spot. I know, I know. Okay, so, so uh, I know when I was telling you, Annie, that we we're going to talk about preppers today, you're like, mm. oh, be careful. Like, like this is something, a topic to be feared. Which, which I reckon it probably is, but um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> preppers. Okay, yeah. and, and part of it is, of course, here at Blue Rock Station, we're a sustainability center trying to live lightly on the land. Be resilient. Be resilient, have our stuff. And a lot of folks who come here or have come in the past when we let people come here, um, we're, we're preppers. I mean, they were kind of going, you know, are you going to survive the zombie apocalypse? No, and I don't care if that. they're preppers. I just don't want to be classified as a prepper or a survivalist or any of that right. stuff. Cause I'm just living my life in a way that feels like I ought to be more responsible and I don't want to be driven by conspiracy theories or silly tales of, you know, I feel like right now is scary enough. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think you sort of hit on, Part of what I found when I was doing some of the research. Well, first off, let's define the terms, right? They're, they're preppers. <laughs> you always say that's a I very know. terrible let's, way to start. I know. Define your terms. <laughs> so, so preppers, um, basically, at its core, is just making preparations for possible catastrophic disasters or emergencies, uh, usually involving stockpiling food, ammunition, and other supplies. So that's kind of the the definition. Now, but wait, what's a catastrophic event? Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be natural. It can or, be man-made. Or your mom, your mother-in-law showing up. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! If that happened today, it'd truly be the zombie apocalypse. So, all right. So anyway, then there's a difference between survivalists. And preppers. And I think the term, and you get, you know, it's funny how different groups, they get their hackles up over different things. Because the preppers are like, we don't want to be classified with those survivalists, you know, splitters, you know. <laughs> anyway. Splitters? Yeah, that's, it, uh, that's that a mean? Life of Brian reference. So oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so so these are typically like the anti-government. What, the, the survivalists? Yeah, the gun-toting, the dressing camouflage, let's live in bunkers under the ground kind of thing. And a prepper, a prepper really could be classified as simply as let's have an emergency first aid, first aid kit ready. Let's talk about, you know, if there's a hurricane, how will we get through the next couple of days? That could be considered a prepper, which seems very well, what reasonable does prepper to mean? me. It means preparing, so preparing. It's, sl it's slang. Yeah, it's a, it's a slang term for people who are making it a habit of trying to prepare for disaster. Didn't that sort of, I mean, people have been doing that every generation, the back to landers back in the 70s, but, but they didn't call it that, or the people who had nuclear fallout shelters. But this came about, didn't it, as a result of the millennial change coming, uh, not millennial, but the change between the centuries. Yeah. People started fre freaking out saying, it, you know, different things had predicted it was going to be the end of the world, and so we better get prepared, and that's where the prepper thing Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, the term, I'm not quite sure when the term prepper came about or became widely used, but as you say, back in, in our early childhood, um, 
before you know, there was dirt. Yeah, before there was dirt. <laughs> uh, of course, the Cold War era, people were putting fallout shelters in their backyards and, and stocking them with, with tins of salty crackers that are going to go bad in, you know, six months anyway. So, so it was kind of a, a joke then, but a serious joke. A lot of people were doing it. I don't remember it being a joke. I mean, there were, we just saw the other day, we were walking somewhere and there was a sign that said fallout shelter and pointed to oh, yeah, a yeah. stairway down uh, underneath like the basement. So I don't think it was, I don't remember it being funny and I don't remember people making jokes. There may have been some cartoons in the newspaper about it, but it was taken very, very seriously because, you know, we were kids and we were taught to get under our desks. Like what was that going to protect us from? But yeah, there the were, duck and cover. Yes. There were, there were, uh, drills to practice if the if something happened if we were going to be bombed by cuba or russia or china or whomever um so this is different though this is not people worrying about being bombed this well is it, it could it could thinking. i mean let's keep it in the same scenario i think people's fears evolve as history evolves you know we had the great depression and there were a lot of people who were traumatized by that well, then you get into and homeless and killing yourself that's pretty bad. yeah but then you get into the cold war and people are worried the world's going to come to an end i remember as a kid thinking it's really sad that i'll never be an adult because the world will come to an end because that's basically what was drummed into our heads and then as you alluded to the y2k thing came up where and you remember our next door neighbor here at Blue Rock Station? He built himself a little Y2K bunker, and he was going to survive the the latest zombie apocalypse. And nobody seemed to quite have a feel for what that meant. All I kept hearing was the traffic lights would stop working, and the ATM machines would stop working, and your computers would stop working. And my response to that was, my computer hardly works anyway. <laughs> And the ATM usually doesn't work when I go there. So, so how is this very different? So, of course, our next-door neighbor, John, built his zombie apocalypse bunker. Then he bought a wife from Belarus, yeah. and it all didn't matter anymore. And he then moved he moved to Atlanta, and he's probably selling insurance or no, something No, he wanted like to that. become a slumlord so he could make money from the feds all by right. underwriting the rent. So, so then in the history Sorry, of that's the truth. Yeah, in zombie apocalypses, uh, the next one was probably 9-11, um, right? The terrorists are going to get us. So now that became another wave of, of prepping. prepping. Then there was like anthrax scares. And I remember we, we were living in Europe at the time. And, and my friend Paolo kept saying, um, the government is telling us we have to stockpile plastic and duct tape um, to protect ourselves from chemical warfare. I guess we're supposed to put the duct tape over our mouth and our nose, you know, because how else are you going to protect? So it just shows how well, they, silly. They were, they were putting it on windows and doors. And well, stuff, in apparently. theory, but that's going to last about a minute. And uh, it's like taking your shoes off before you get on an airplane. It's all, it's all tragedy theater. Well, it's marketing. Because people, when people are fearful, they're easily manipulated and managed. And that is exactly what this whole purpose is back when we were all getting under our desks, sure. you know, creating this fear that the government was going to take care of us, which is actually a bold faced lie from that point on anyway. And anyway, so the thing that I want well, to say. Well, I haven't finished with the rounds of, of, of prepperness. All right. I just want to, I, I got to say this though. Right. I have to say it is that this is completely lost 
on me. Well, it is completely most I, of society's things are completely lost on on you. Yes, and, and that, me. That's true. Well, yeah, because you follow along. I, I find I'm, myself baffled. Yeah. But. So, so I'm not baffled because it seems like it's human nature to be unthinking and unprepared and thinking your mom's going to come along and take care of all of it. So we don't grow up to be adults. We grow up to just emulate this childish behavior. And that's to me what this is. So if you're saying that every day of my life, I need to just be prepared for what I am facing in that day and what I need. Um, that may sound sort of elitist, but that's what poor people do every day or homeless people well, is they got to deal some, with it every day. Some folks deal well. Well, let's talk a little bit about this because, you know, and, and I guess I should finish my thought that some of the other things that have raised interest are going to be um, the, after 9-11, it was sort of the uh, the collapse of 2008, the financial collapse. Then you get like Hurricane Katrina, which I think happened before that. And, yeah, and about 2004. now, of course, COVID and there's been, you know, other issues. So every time something like this comes up, the marketing folks come out and say, oh, you know, the end of the world's coming. You need to stockpile. And and shoot, I, after doing this research, I suspect I'm going to get like online ads for, for, you know, storing up all sorts of food and, and knives and, get lots and guns. Of Ads already. Yeah, they love me. So, so to me, <laughs> a, a lot of this stuff is a lot like, um, you know, simple common sense. You carry a spare tire in your car in case you get a flat, but you don't obsess about it. You know, you should know how to change your tire. Certainly, you should know where these things are located. That's just sort of common sense. But you shouldn't make that the focus of your existence, that every time I get in the car, I need to be prepared to survive for seven months in case I happen to get caught in a snowstorm in Florida. And, you know, it, it, you can create scenarios that are just silly. The way people are driving lately, well, you better go prepared to be in an accident because they're either sure. texting or hi, <laughs> I swear. All right. So, so a lot of them talk about, okay, prepping. The things they focus on are, are food, you know, the let's preppers. store enough food. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, the preppers uh, or the survivalists will say, we need to store enough food to last 30 years, you know. Okay, well, first off, ain't it going to happen, right? Well, I know this one guy that we knew, um, he had these big barrels and they were full of wheat. Well, wheat can get rancid. Well, it did get rancid. It was full of all sorts of weevils and bugs. And well, then it's of no use. It is. Uh, of course, it's of no use. And I'm but sure he, he hauled spent it from one part of the country to the other. And then and then he hauled it to here. And now it's sitting in a garage where they just abandoned everything. Yeah, it's just food for rats. So, so you get some silliness like that. Okay, canisters of food. I mean, the re- reality of food, water, all of those kind of things, no matter how much you've stockpiled, eventually you're going to run out. You need to figure out how to get an ongoing supply of food and water, you know, just like you have to do today. You know, we have to figure out how to deal with that. So another thing is power. You know, a lot of people, they they get into the whole thing of the electrical grid's going to fail. You know, how am I going to deal with this kind of back to the pioneer days of survivalism? when all of our creature comforts are no longer available to us. And, and we talk about that here at Blue Rock Station a bit, because not because we think there will be a prolonged zombie apocalypse, but because things fail, you know, and we should be able to figure out 
How do you get water if the electricity goes out? You know, just again, short-term, medium-term ways of responding to the inevitable uh, hiccups in technology. Um, but I knew a guy, uh, he actually would take his computer and put it inside a Faraday cage every night in case there was an atomic blast. It What's would a protect. Cage? It's it's basically a, a wire or a metal enclosed container that will absorb electromagnetic pulses in the case of a nuclear attack, so that your data is not wiped out on your computer. And and my reaction was, you know, probably that's not going to be your first concern when there is a nuclear blast over your house. Is do I still have my address book? You know, or I mean, am I on fire? Yeah, I would say is burn my skin to falling off? Burn to crisp, be cracklins and chitlins. Yeah, dessert. And then of course, uh, shelter. Shelter is always an issue. But then the one that always gets a lot of attention is the guns, right? Oh, we need to go out and get lots of guns and lots of ammunition. And this is one of those things that I just have a hard time getting my head around because. There's always this Mad Max kind of attitude. There are going to be roaming hordes of people trying to steal my beans, you know, trying to steal my rice. They know I've got stuff and they're going to come and try and take it from me. And I mean, aside from a normal Friday night in a big city, um, I just don't see this stuff happening. You know, during the Great Depression, we didn't see Mad Max hordes of people going around robbing every farmhouse. Well, we saw that people had some civility. I don't think we have that anymore. And we don't understand how to take care of ourselves. We don't understand how to be resilient. COVID-19 has repeatedly shown us that. It's showing us that right now. There's some kind of issue around gasoline, and then everybody's totally freaked out. Lines and lines of cars. So, you know, the thing is, we're just looking for something to be scared about. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll address that, what we should do, after we take just a quick break here to let folks know you're listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you once again, it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. And thank God after this episode. <laughs> thank God. Yeah, and it's not by the end of the world, not the zombie apocalypse end of the world, but the end of hopefully doing things as per normal. Because, uh, I mean, I think some of this survivalist, some of this prepper stuff is just a response to say, you know, the things that didn't work in the past aren't working for me anymore. So I think everything's going to fall apart. Yeah. I think and, everything's going to collapse. And I'm looking for collapse. a new way to feel like I got control over my life which is also kind of goofy in a way because you don't, you know, yeah. you live in society. You have to do many times like getting a vaccine. What's the best for the, the group, even if we don't agree. And so prepping to me is about that individual saying, I have the ability, which is not true to be my own army, my own grocery store, my own insurance policy. And it's just not true because we are tribal people. And we need each other, and those others need us. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, it's like ass backwards. This is not the way we get through any emergency. Uh, we've proven it from the beginning of time. Something goes wrong, the people who care about you need to show up and yeah. do something to help. I think one, one of the things, like when you study military history and the like, 
is we always fight the last war. You know, we always use the weapons and the tactics that worked in the last war, but the next war is always different. And, and what we're going to find is no matter what you anticipate the next emergency will be, it will be different than the last emergency. And, and case in point, we talked with some of our interns before saying, you know, listen, if there's any, if there's ever a widespread issue out there, like the electrical grid goes down, or there is some sort of economic disruption that looks like it's going to be more than just temporary in length, why don't you come to Blue Rock Station? We've got places for you to stay, uh, enough food for everybody. We'll get along just fine. We'll, we'll have our own little community here. And then, of course, what's the next thing that hits is covid and it and turns out me. it's the interns who are the danger, right? We're and saying, they want to come. yeah, they're saying, <laughs> we want to come to Blue. And then we're saying, no, stay away, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, because, because there is no danger to you unless you come to me, you know? I yeah. mean, that's the issue. And so, so that was a, a, a disruption that we couldn't, well, we should have anticipated. Well, we, but we, we did talk about it. I, I want to say something more about the guns. <laughs> so all these people, every time there's some kind of scare, uh, as, as they would put it, people who are big on gun ownership would say it's a scare. Uh, they, they have these record, record number of gun sales. Right. And, and what they're saying is if I just have enough weapons, I can take on, if the army comes for me, if the vandals come for me, if the zombies come for me, and it's just not true. And I can prove it from science. So they've done lots of studies where they showed that if someone wasn't continuously being trained, and even if they were, they will not point a gun and shoot someone face to face. They won't do it. Right. I think there's a lot of verbra uh, bravado yes. in this. But, but also, I keep going, you know what? I'm not going to kill someone because they want some beans and rice. You know, I'm not going to... Uh, if somebody comes to me and they're hungry, isn't the right thing to do to try and share? You know, I mean, oh, you're being so Christian. Uh, no, no, that's certainly not the case because those no, guys will shoot that's you. What, that's what, <laughs> so. But that's what, so that's what these people also harbor is this belief in this one religion, this Christianity. All right, well, no, now you're going to get me in trouble. Preppers because, are okay. But. Because if that's what you profess, then you should be helping the widows and the orphans. That's what it says in the Bible. Sure. And you should be saying, how can I feed you? Because if you have enough to eat, then we're all going to be okay. The least of us have to be lifted up. Right. And, and we talk a little bit about, you know, room in the life raft, right? If, there's, if you've got a life raft, you're trying to deal with an emergency situation, our attitude is, okay, there's just so much room in the life raft. Unless you have skills to bring, resources to share and provide, why should I make room for you in the life raft? Well, if, I'm not if going you're just, to. Yeah, I'm if you're just to. dead weight. But then the, the, real, the real problem here is that you don't always know. You know, many sure. people in my life, when I traveled abroad, I always tried to be respectful of the person who was doing the cleaning, who was doing the train conducting and everything, because I felt like they might be the most important person in my learning experience here in Russia or China or wherever, but also because if there's an emergency, 
and they have interesting stories to tell. So they may have saved my life. So I got to be careful in how I evaluate, right. but I at least want to be able to agree on some things with the person if I'm going to have to sit in the life raft with them. <laughs> and that's my bottom line, not so much the skill sets, but do you have the ability to have uh, you know, a real conversation about things that are meaningful. Do you love your kids? Do you care about other people? Those are the things I want to know about. I don't want to dismiss everybody right off the get-go, but lots of people are good at telling you in the first two seconds who they are, and you can make a decision pretty swiftly sometimes. Right. Well, I would say that one of the best preparations would be to make you make yourself worthy of being in the life raft. You know, that would what be a good preparation. Mean? Well, let me... Let me give you some examples. I'll tell you what, what they often say the preparations for the zombie apocalypse should be, the Who's prepper, the prepper oh, and the survivalist. Okay. And usually these um, talk about creating a clandestine, something you don't know where it is, defensible retreat, um, having a bug out location. Oh, that nobody knows where it is but yeah. you. Well, hopefully, hopefully you know where it is because otherwise <laughs> it may be secure, but you're not there. And, and well, that's another thing I used to tell John when he was talking about building his, uh, his apocalypse house, his Y2K house. And I kept saying, you know, when, this, when the apocalypse happens, you're going to be at Walmart. You know, you're not going to be in your house. <laughs> so, so, you know, that's an issue. Well, they also talk about, you know, stockpiling food, water, um, clothing, seed, firewood, all this other stuff, which, of course, you're going to run out of. Uh, having a bug out bag. Um, you know, like something you can grab and run with. Uh, like with important papers? Whatever, um, just enough, Medicine. something you can carry, you know, a bug out bag. Some of them call it a, a good bag or a good kit, which stands for get out of Dodge, you know. And, um, and again, that may not be a bad idea if you're thinking about how do I, if my house is on fire and I need to get out. You know, can oh, I or have if you these live in things? a city that's been devastated by a bomb or, or a tornado or a hurricane, yeah, you have it, to get somewhere. Where for sure. Safe. Let's say a hurricane or a tornado is warned or, yeah, it seems logical you'd be prepared that if well, I if have to in leave in a hurry. Those things happen. You really sure. just being smart. It's not about being a prepper. It's saying I need, I may need to leave. Well, okay. So, so I came up with a list. I came up with our own preparation. This is the official, oh my, this is the semi-official. I, I know it, try it's, not to laugh it's only as much. official as me, right? Okay, uh, the Blue well. Rock Station Prepper Guide, right? <laughs> preparation number one, be fit and healthy. Okay, well, okay. they're going to have to start well ahead start, of time. Yeah, because, of course, if you've got a broken leg, I don't care if you got a bug out, you're not going, you know. I mean, so. Or so, if you have a belly that makes you weigh five. If you can't pounds. walk. I mean, if you yeah. literally can't walk. So that's an issue. Be willing to leave stuff behind. That's a big issue. Well, determine what's important to yeah. live the next few days of but your life. A, a lot of the things I was reading, it's like, how can we live through the apocalypse in in all the comforts we're used to having now and i kept thinking that's but why wait. people have campers they can yeah, haul their but stuff there were them. some of these retreats that they were advertising that only start like at a million and a half these are like dollars yeah they have like 18 whole golf courses they have <laughs> you know and this is the zombie apocalypse yeah. stuff they and and well, you know we don't want to be uncomfortable because that would be really awful well what cracked me up is some of these communities these clandestine communities where people are paying a million and a half to have their own little subterranean bunker and golf courses and massage tables and all this other stuff 
And, and the headline in it, which really cracked me up, is said, uh, civilization may end, but homeowners associations are forever. Because <laughs> they were listing oh. all the rules of these communities. But where's the massage therapist going to live? Anyway, um, another issue, this gets right to the point, be willing to be uncomfortable. That's something that a lot of people in our society simply are not willing to be uncomfortable. And if you're in an emergency, you're probably, by its very definition, going to be uncomfortable and deal with it. Well, when I made these rules, they seemed fairly common sense to me, but I also know that most people would have trouble with them. Um, I, and let's just hold the image of your mother in mind when I'm making these rules, because she would fail most of these things. I think my mom um, was really good at being right. uncomfortable. She just didn't want to be. All right. Uh, be willing to work and to learn. That's okay, a big well, that's, issue. That may be the deal breaker right there, because <laughs> right. I don't want to sacrifice anything okay. for my other life if I have to leave it. Okay. Then the other rule, pay attention. Okay, that's a big one. For, forget it. They, most people have already failed. <laughs> yeah, because things are happening. Pay attention. Yeah. Don't assume help is coming. Well, there there's, there's the one you should have started with. Yeah. That's where we have to, that's where the deal breaker is, is to say nobody's coming to help you. And oh. then if you can get somebody to believe that, their, their adult part of their brain is maybe going to kick in and actually do some of these things you're suggesting. All right, and the number one rule for survival in a calamity is be lucky. There you are. That's so true. <laughs> so, so those are my rules for well, preparation. The number two rule would be be understanding and kind. Yeah. Because that's the real challenge. You see these people on TV and they are not. Yeah, being... nobody wants to hear you whine or complain. Well, one group of people um, that have been really good at, at the whole idea of preparation are the Mormons. And the Mormons actually, as part of their credo, uh, has this kind of mindset of being prepared. And apparently there are like more than 100 uh, resource distribution facilities throughout North America uh, for the Mormon church. Every family uh, is, is cautioned to try and have a supply uh, in case of adversity, I think they usually say about uh, six months of food stored. Gosh, you better have some money then too. Yeah, well, and, and it was kind of interesting because I looked at their official church guidelines on this, and, and I thought they were pretty common sense. They, they plan, the emergency plan was identify likely disasters. Okay, that makes sense. Gather critical information, so understand what these things will be outline assignments and procedures. You know, all of this is just really good disaster preparedness or even project preparedness. Um, figure out how to communicate with each other during an emergency. That's probably third on your list, should be third yeah. on your list. Yes. And then they say avoid de debt and live within your means. So that's one of the ways of that's being so prepared. I know, way. I know. Gain an adequate education. Keep a reserve and learn first aid. So, so, all right. So let's keep with that one. So anyway, so we're running to at the end. Um, you've been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke. We want to thank our always prepared 
Emmy Award-winning producer Adam Rich, and we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is... Play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat those stored-up veggies before you go back. Okay. Till next time. Bye-bye. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com. Yeah.